Everybody good? Everybody doing all right tonight? Pretty good, not bad. All right, that's sort of good. So we're, uh, we're jumping right in tonight. We have been, this is your first week, or you've forgotten, or whatever, or you can't read. We're in a series called Old School, and, uh, and have been for the last few weeks. And so what we've been doing over this series is not about dressing up and, you know, walking in here, you know, looking like a fool or something like that, or doing these crazy things. The, the purpose and the reason behind this series is that we're looking at different aspects of our faith. Maybe in some cases that we have diminished, maybe we have minimalized, maybe we've looked at it and we've thought that it was irrelevant to us in our lives today. Some of those things that we look and go, maybe I don't understand it, maybe it makes no sense to me, maybe that's something that used to be important, but it's not really that important to me today. Whatever, some of those different aspects, and ultimately to get us to the point where we start understanding the relevance that these things have to our lives where we start treating them with a high level of respect and regard. And we understand, man, these things make a significant impact on our faith every single day. So that's what we've been doing. Now, uh, first week of the series, we looked at prayer. And we talked about, you know, everybody says, hey, man, I'm praying for you. You know, prayer's your way or whatever. And we kind of throw this thing out. But do we really understand what prayer is and why it's so significant and why God's given it to us? And then last week, we had senior week, and uh, man, didn't the uh, seniors do a great job last week? If you guys were here, give it up for seniors. Man, those are always my favorite nights of the year, and, um, and last week was no different. I mean, they did a great job of communicating truth. We talked about worship and, uh, and why that was such a big deal, what, what is worship, and why does it matter to us? And so... Um, so that's where we've been so far. Now tonight, as we get ready to jump in, we're going to start, as we kind of intro what we're talking about, by uh, doing a little bit of a game. All right, is that cool? You guys like games? Yes. If they're not lame. All right, so we'll try not to make this lame. So here we go. We're going to play a little, a little comparison game, all right? If you really like to talk while I'm speaking every week, um, this, is, this is your prime time right here, all right? So I'm looking for you guys to shout some answers out, throw some stuff out at me. Um, all right, so we want you to talk. So we're going to play a little, a little word comparison game. So I'm going to throw out a word to you, all right? And I want you, as, as quickly as you can, just to yell out what the first thing is that comes to your mind, all right? All right? Now, this could be dangerous, especially if you talk before you think, all right? So we're, we're going to put a lot of faith and trust that this is not going to go haywire, okay? So comparison game, you just yell out to me the first thing you think of, first word or whatever that you think of when I throw out this word, all right? So we'll start with, with a practice one and, uh, and see where it goes, all right? So what is the first thing you think of when you hear the word cell phone? <laughs> you guys are so stupid. The guys, all they think about is pizza. All right, so... There's pizza from these guys over here because they're, they're so cool. And um, I don't even know. At that point, I don't even know what you said. It was like, blah, 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 blah. All right. That's a practice one. Let's try another one. This should be a little fun. What's the first word you think of when you hear the word school? Death. Wow, I heard death. The first thing somebody thinks of when they hear of school is school. Well done. Not sure what school they go to. And then we also think of death, all right? Let me, 
let me, let me toss out another one to you. What's the first word you think of when you hear the word Nazis? Hopefully some of you guys didn't say school or anything like that. Hope you didn't make the, that connection. All right. What's the first thing you think of when you hear the word vacation? I heard spring break. I heard the beach. All right. What's the first thing you think of when you hear college football? I heard bulldogs. I heard a bunch of other nonsense. I have no idea what it was. All right, what about this one? What's the first word you think of when you hear the word, or words, Holy Spirit? (laughs) Our Savior, Jesus, woo! All right. Now, I don't know if you... I don't know if you guys, if you noticed that. Some of you guys were just being idiots and you're just throwing out random nonsense. So you just ruined my game. Thanks a lot. Jeez. So some of you guys threw out legitimate answers. There are certain things when we think of the, the, a vacation. All right, I almost said beach. When we think of vacation, we naturally think immediately. Sometimes it sparks a memory or whatever. We think beach or we think the mountains or we think sleeping in till noon or whatever it is that we think about. Uh, if we think of school, we think of certain things, all right? They might be good things, they might be bad things, but we, th- we automatically think of things. When we think of college football, all right, and I'm, I don't have a dog in the hunt, but, you know, this is Georgia country for the most part, so I know a lot of you guys are like, bulldog, whoa, 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 or whatever you guys do. <laughs> you think Georgia, or you think Alabama, or Auburn, or, you know, SEC's the best, and all that stuff. But, here's, how many of you guys, and you don't have to, you don't have to talk back, all right? This is where this, this part ends. Now you listen. How many of you guys, when I threw out Holy Spirit, there were still, you know, some, some crazy answers that were thrown out. But, but it wasn't, I didn't notice that it was quite as, um, quite as loud when we were throwing out answers to that. You know, I mean, there, there are certain things when we think of vacation or we think of college football, we think of whatever, we immediately, and we, there's certain things that we think of immediately, we get passionate, we get excited. But why is it sometimes when it comes to something like the Holy Spirit, maybe even in, in that instant, nothing necessarily comes right to our mind that, that uh, makes a connection with that? Maybe even if I gave you 30 seconds or a minute, time to really think about it, Maybe there's some of us that still would really struggle with something that is used to describe, maybe a personal experience or whatever that we would use to describe the Holy Spirit. See, where we're going tonight, and and what I think is important for us, what I want to be able to do is to to create a little bit of tension in the room as we start. And I want to do that by asking you this question. And I don't want you to think about churchy answers. I don't want you to talk about this to your neighbor or you know, daydream about Instagram or something else. I want you to think about this question tonight, right now, as it relates to you personally. What would the answer be for you? This question. 
what difference does the Holy Spirit make in your life? Now just think about that for just a minute. What difference does the Holy Spirit make in your life? See, I think if I were to to be able to read your mind, if we were honest tonight, I think there are maybe many of us who walk in the room and we don't really understand much at all about the Holy Spirit. Maybe it's, it's a, a confusing thing. Maybe it just sounds mystical. It sounds a little bit eerie. Maybe we don't even have any idea what concept. We think Holy Spirit, we're like, is that like some ghost of an old priest or something? I mean, what, what, is this, what does it mean, Holy Spirit? We don't have any kind of church background or grown up in those kind of environments where we automatically have maybe churchy answers that, that tie to that answer or that tie to that, to that word. Maybe there's a lot of us who it's just a confusing topic. Maybe we, we, we've heard about it, but we've never really experienced all that much. We don't really understand it all that much. And so, therefore, it doesn't have any relevance to our lives on a daily basis. Now, maybe there's others of us in the room who we've just determined in our mind, for whatever reason, that we can just do better off without the Holy Spirit. Maybe we feel like, you know what, I've, I've got this thing under control. I've got you know, this whole Christian life, I can do this. I've, just, you know, I've got to try harder. I've got to exert more effort. Man, I can, I can do this. I don't really see much need for the Holy Spirit on a daily basis. I mean, maybe if I get in over my head, maybe if there's something that comes up where I just don't have any idea what to do, then maybe something will, will connect and I'll, I'll rely on the Holy Spirit. But in terms of on a daily basis, I don't really feel like I need him all that much. I haven't really experienced that. I don't really see any benefit to my life. So therefore, I don't have any need for him. Now, it's interesting that maybe if, if we kind of land in, in that area, and maybe if you looked as you answered that question, what difference does it make? And you thought, man, not really much at all. It's interesting that Jesus talks specifically about that. And In the final days of Jesus' life, right before he gets ready to go to the cross, he's talking about what is best for us and how the Holy Spirit plays into that. Here's what he says in John 16, verse 7. He says, but I tell you that I'm going to do what is best for you. That is why I'm going away. The Holy Spirit cannot come to help you until I leave. But after I am gone, I will send the Spirit to you. Now, Jesus is talking in these verses to the the disciples, but he's also talking to us. And here's essentially what Jesus is telling us. He's telling us that we are better off with the Holy Spirit in us than we are with Jesus beside us. We're better off with the Holy Spirit in us than we are with Jesus walking around beside us, which seems a little bit counterintuitive. Man, my life would be a whole lot easier if Jesus was walking around next to me, told me how to live, told me what to do. And Jesus is saying the opposite. You're in better shape. It is best for you if I leave and the Holy Spirit comes and and enables you to live out this life that I've got for you. Now, there's a gap. When Jesus made this statement, all right, and then he goes to the cross, three days later he rises again, spends about a month with the disciples, and then he floats off into the sky and goes back to heaven. And there's a period of time in between, from the time Jesus goes back up into heaven until the Holy Spirit comes, all right, maybe a week or two, before, between those two events. 
And so basically the disciples are sitting around in a room and they're waiting for Jesus to do what he said he was going to do and that's send the Holy Spirit. And tonight I can't help but wonder if maybe there are some of us who we, we live that same way. We have that same mindset. We live as though we're waiting around for the Holy Spirit to show up. We feel like, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to kind of do this thing on my own. I'm going to try harder. And if you were to look at our lives, you wouldn't see any, any evidence that the Holy Spirit is present and available and living in us and through us. So in essence, it's like we're, we're living as though we're waiting around for the Holy Spirit to show up. And man, if we would just open our eyes and understand and realize that the Holy Spirit has already come. Jesus did what he, was, what he promised to the disciples, what he promised to us, and he sent the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is in us if we belong to him, and everything changes. And yet, I, I get the sense tonight, and I'm guilty of this too, that there's so many of us that just don't see the benefits of that. So what I want to do over the next couple of minutes is just give a, a few things, five things. We could, we could list off 30. But kind of the, those top five things, reasons why the Holy Spirit is important to our daily lives, all right? And what I'm going to challenge you as we talk through this is you you just lean forward, you press in, you kind of really focus. If you want to take notes or whatever, do that. But but this is, if you're in that kind of mindset or you've got that attitude right now, what's the big deal about the Holy Spirit? I don't understand it. It makes no difference to my life. Then you need to really stay locked in, all right? Here's the first reason why the Holy Spirit is important to our daily lives, Number one, it's our promise of heaven. The Holy Spirit is our promise of heaven. You and I, if we have put our faith and trust in Jesus as Savior, heaven is not our future because we're good people. Heaven is not our future home because we've done something or earned it or God said, hey, well done. You've done a really great job, so I'm going to give heaven to you. Heaven is our future because Jesus died for us and he redeemed us. Jesus came in and he did for us what we couldn't do and he freed us from our sins and he set, he set all of the, the, um, the sin aside and he enabled us to live differently and to be set free and forgiven from our sins. So when you and I confess that Jesus is Lord, when we put our faith and trust in Jesus as Savior, The Holy Spirit is given to us as a promise. All right, whenever that moment is that you put your faith and trust in Jesus at Rush, at Reckless, maybe one night as you were hanging out in your room, maybe on your school campus, whatever that looked like for you, that moment where you said, God, I understand that I need you, that I can't fix my sin problem, and I'm putting my faith and trust in you, and I'm asking you to save me. That what the Bible says is that the Holy Spirit comes and he lives inside of us. And what that, is, what that does for us is it is in part a promise to us that Jesus has incredible things in store for our lives. It lets us, what the Holy Spirit lets us know is, hey, I freed you from this sin, not just for this life. It's about so much more than just what is on this earth. It's about your future home in heaven. And what the Holy Spirit has given to us is to set our sights not on the temporary, not on the things of this earth, not on all those things that sometimes we kind of get our focus on and our attention and we make a priority, but rather to remind us that this life is not all there is. 
that right now we know in part and we understand in part and we sense that God is near us, but one day we will stand face to face before God and we will see him for who he is and we will worship him and we will be like him and it will, everything will have changed. And it's a promise to us of what God has given to us in the future. Listen to what Ephesians 1, 13b and 14 says. It says, when you believed in Christ, he identified you as his own by giving you the Holy Spirit, whom he promised long ago. The Spirit is God's guarantee that he will give us the inheritance that he promised and that he has purchased us to be his own people. He did this so we would praise and glorify him. And I wonder how many of us who walk around hopeless, who feel like, man, is this life all there is? Man, this feels so hopeless and so out of control. And some days I just wonder if there's any significance or purpose. How much would that change for us if we had our sights set on heaven? How much would that change for us if we knew that the Holy Spirit was given to us to remind us in those moments where we feel like, man, is this all there is? That the Holy Spirit reminds us, no. And we're only scratching the surface of what I've got prepared for you. So you hold on. Man, in those moments where you feel like giving up, man, you hold on because this life is not all there is. And our future far outweighs our present. Number two is that the Holy Spirit reveals God to us. Now, as you and I spend time with God through praying through reading his Bible, through walking out in a field and talking to him, or through you know, church services, or you know, all those different things in which we, uh, we spend time with God. What happens in those moments is that God is revealing, or the Holy Spirit is revealing God to us. He is making the, the mysteries and those things that sometimes we don't understand about God, he is making them clear to us. And God opens our eyes to the truth of who God is. And sometimes, this is why this is such a big deal, because sometimes we feel like, man, God is distant, he's out there somewhere, and man, if God was just closer, if God, if I just understood more about who God is. And what's so cool about the Holy Spirit is that God, in those moments where we go, God, I don't really understand this, God, I don't don't know that you're near, or I don't understand this attribute about you, or I don't really know what I'm supposed to do here, or God, I'm just wondering, these these things seem too far-fetched sometimes, or I don't really feel like I understand who you are is that the Holy Spirit, because he is in us, he opens our eyes to those truths. He reveals those things that people on the outside, maybe sometimes they don't understand about God. But because we have the Holy Spirit living in us, God reveals those truths to us. God opens our eyes to see and to understand. In 2 Corinthians 9, or 2 Corinthians uh, 2, 9 through 12, Paul is talking, and he says something really, really cool. Here's what he says. He says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. Now, a lot of us stop at that moment, but listen to what he says in verse 10. But it was to us that God revealed these things by his spirit. For his spirit searches out everything, and he shows us God's deep secrets, No one can know a person's thoughts except that person's own spirit. And no one can know God's thoughts except God's own spirit. And we have received God's spirit so we can know the wonderful things that God 
has freely given us. Man, what could be better than knowing and understanding about the greatness and the mysteries of God? What could be better than for the Holy Spirit in us to open our eyes to see, to new levels, all these deep questions that we have, these things that we can't get our mind around, some things that maybe we even resign ourselves to, to, to the fact that we will never know. And that there's so much of that. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has understood what God has prepared for them. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. That you and I don't have to walk around and go, man, I've got all of these questions and I'll never understand them. So I'm just going to, people just say, I've just got to have faith. But there's so much of that because the Holy Spirit lives in us that God reveals to us. Here's the third thing. It shows us right from wrong. It shows us what is right and what is wrong. It shows us how to live and how not to live. It shows us what is important and what shouldn't be important. There are so many moments where because of the culture that we live in, the line between what's right and what's wrong is constantly blurred. And it's subjective and it's, man, am I really free to do whatever I want? Does it really matter how I live? Can I just choose my own path? Can I make my own decisions? Can I just do whatever I want? And there's a culture out there that's saying it doesn't really matter. There's not really any absolute truth. There's no really right or wrong. You just do what is is best for you. You do what you want. You enjoy life. You make the most of life. And we get confused, even as followers of Jesus, because we look and we go, man, the world's telling me that this path is right. The world's telling me that this is okay, that this is going to lead to happiness, that this is going to lead to satisfaction, this is going to make me... Uh, my life more significant. And so we feel like, well, maybe I should go ahead and do those things. And one of the amazing benefits of the Holy Spirit is that God shows us what the right path is and what the wrong path is. I mean, in those moments where we go, God, I don't know if I should do this or not. God, I don't know if this honors you or not. God, I don't know. Everybody's telling me that I should, but I'm not really sure if they're right or if, if I should listen to you. God, I'm not really sure what to do. And in those moments where we come to God and we say, Holy Spirit, would you show me what to do? Would you give me wisdom? Would you make it clear to me? And the Holy Spirit living in us shows us what's right and what's wrong. Listen to what Romans 8, 6 says. It says, letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death. But letting the Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. So what the Bible says and what God is saying is that there, there are two very clear paths. It's not blurred. It's not what, do whatever you want to do. There is a right path and there's a wrong path. There's a path that leads to life and peace and there's a path that leads to destruction. And you don't have to every single moment figure out, ah, I guess I'm just going to have to figure out what I should do. But rather the Holy Spirit is given to us to help us in those moments. Now notice the word control in that verse. Notice that he says, letting your sinful nature control your mind, letting the spirit control your mind. What Paul is saying here is it's not just enough to know what's right and wrong. I mean, how many of us have been in those moments where we, we knew crystal clear the right path and the wrong path? We just chose to do what we wanted to do. We chose the wrong path. It wasn't necessarily we didn't know what was right or wrong. We just chose, you know what, screw the right path. I'm going to do my own thing. 
And what Paul is saying, it's not just enough to know what's right and what's wrong. It's not just enough to know which path is, is the right path. What matters is control. If you want to truly live out and walk in the path that leads to life and peace, it's about control. It's about you submitting to the Holy Spirit. It's about you saying, God, would you give me the strength? Would you take control of me? It's about us surrendering our heart and our lives and allowing God to lead us down the right path. Here's the fourth thing. It empowers us to supernatural living. It empowers us to supernatural living. Who has ever thought to themselves, man, I, don't, I just want to kind of go through the motions and live you know, just an average life that doesn't really make any difference to anybody around me or myself. Man, just sign me up for just kind of, you know, John Doe kind of life, and I'll just go through life powerless and just shrugging my shoulders and, and you know, just kind of an Eeyore mentality. Right? I mean, how many of us sign up for that? No, all of us want to know that we, we live powerful lives. Man, why my kids are so flipping insane about he, superheroes is because they know that they can do something that they can't do on, the, on their own. Man, if I'm Incredible Hulk, all of a sudden I can break my brother in half, whereas now I can just punch him in the eye and it doesn't really do much long-term damage. I mean, none of us sign up to, to just live a half-hearted life. None of us want to live a purposeless life. All of us look and go, man, I want to I live to the fullest. Man, I want to live with significance. I want to live with power. I want my life to count. And what the Holy Spirit enables us to do is to live lives of significance. See, the Holy Spirit empowers us not just to live an average Christian life, not just to live a pretty good Christian life. The Holy Spirit gives us and empowers us to supernatural living, to live like God, to live beyond what we could ever accomplish on our own. See, I think that there's some of us right now, maybe in this moment, and I hope that this is the case, where some of us are looking, all right, I'm supposed to live a supernatural life, it's supposed to you know, be a life that, that completes the impossible, that other people take notice, that other people go, man, what's the deal with you? And then I look at my life, and I love Jesus, and I come to Reckless, and I read my Bible, and yet I look at my life, and I, don't, I wouldn't really describe it as a powerful life, or definitely not a supernatural life. And maybe there's a little bit of a disconnect here because we see what God is calling us to and what God wants from us, but we also see the reality of the way that we live almost every single day. And if there's some of us in the room that are feeling that, I want to give you a little bit of an example that hopefully will describe how we can, how we can make sure that we, we go from a powerless life to a supernatural life. Now, if you guys were at Rush a few years ago, we used this illustration. I think it's so perfect to describe what, what our life is supposed to be about. All right, now, this represents our, our life, all right, as a, as a Christian, all right, as a follower of Jesus. But what this, more, more so what this represents is us trying to live the Christian life in our own strength, all right, which is probably, I would say, maybe for a lot of us in the room, where we land most days. So we... Man, I, I love Jesus. What the? I want to be like him. And I, I want to live the life that he's called me to. 
And so what we naturally feel so much, and I don't know if it's because we're taught this or we just assume because we've got to work harder at a sport or at school or whatever, that therefore we've got to work harder as a Christian. But here's what we do so often. What we want to do is we want to experience a supernatural life. All right, we want, to ex- we want to soar. We want to experience the heights of all that God has for us. We want to experience that amazing life. And so what we do is we try really hard. All right, we try really hard to live the life that God's called us to live. And there's some days that we try really hard. Hello. There's some days that we don't try all that hard at all. But man, we feel like, you know what, if I, man, if I just... If I just try really hard, if I exert a lot of strength and energy, we even make a lot of promises to God all the time. Man, God, this, this time is different. God, I'm serious about this commitment this time. Man, I know in, in past years at Rush, you know, two weeks later, it didn't, it didn't matter at all. I was right back to the way I was living. But God, this year is gonna be different. And so I'm gonna show you, God, that I can do this. And so we're exerting our strength and our effort, and we're trying as hard as we can And there might even be some days that we experience more success and we soar a little bit higher than others. And then there's some days where we just kind of float around, but it's all up to our own strength and effort. And maybe we feel like we say those questions, God, I'm serious this time, or God, I promise you I'm never gonna look at that again, or God, I promise you that this time I'm not gonna say that to to my parents, or I'm not gonna gonna go to that party, or I'm not gonna, you know, all those kind of things. And then we drop the, the balloon on the ground. All those kind of things that we do. But ultimately, it's all about us. It's God, watch this. God, I'm going to. God, I'm going to try harder. I'm going to do this. God, this is about me trying and doing and accomplishing. And what ends up happening is that no matter how high up we go, we always come back down. No matter how high we soar, we also come right back down to reality. And it might be good for a couple of days or a couple of months or a couple of moments, but ultimately it really doesn't do for us. And what ends up happening is we just get frustrated. And we look and we go, man, God, I I can't do it. I've tried too hard. God, you say that I can do this, and yet I'm trying, and all I'm doing is failing over and over and over again. But then there's some of us who realize the key to the whole thing. And we understand that ultimately what it is about us, this isn't weird, is it? Is it, it's about us letting go of the balloon. It's about us letting go of control. It's about us giving up our right to ourselves and allowing God to empower us. See, ultimately what we end up doing when when we allow God to have control, it's not about our effort. It's about our surrender. It's not about what we can do. It's about us getting out of the way and letting God do. It's not so much about, God, let me show you this time that I'm serious about this commitment or this issue or whatever. It's, God, I can't do it, and I'm asking you to do it through me. See, what happens with this is we get frustrated, and then you know, we hear the world say, you know what, man, just, just get involved in social causes, man, just you know, try, to, try to do your best, just love people, and ultimately, just do the best that you can. And I think what some of us need to hear tonight is that your best is not good enough. 
your best, no matter how good that may be on the football field or in the marching band or in a school classroom, your best is really, really important. But when it comes to your relationship with with God, your best is not good enough. And what so many of us need to get to the point is where we realize that truth, where God goes, you know what? I'm not interested in your best. I'm not interested in your best effort in you giving everything that you possibly can in terms of strength and energy. It's not that all of those things that we try to do aren't important. They are. But ultimately, it's all about control. It's about realizing, and maybe some of us just need to get to that moment tonight where we realize my best isn't good enough. Maybe that's the reason why so many of us have been frustrated for months or years about this whole Christian life is because we've given it our best and we just throw in the towel because we realize that our best isn't good enough. So God, what do you want from me? If my best isn't gonna do it, what is it gonna gonna take? And is this just a pipe dream, me living a supernatural life? And God's going, look, you've gotta get to a point where you realize that your best isn't good enough and you just give me control. Crap. (laughs) And then you go to heaven. (laughs) Where you realize that your best isn't good enough and you simply let go of your life and you surrender and you give up control and you realize, God, I've been down this path a hundred times. God, I've said these same things a million times that I'm not going to do this again. I've made these same commitments every single week or every single year. And all it ends up doing is making me more and more frustrated. And God's going, you're right. So just surrender. You can't do it. And you've got to get to a point where you realize that. And whether it's spending time alone with God, whether it's making an impact on your school campus, whether it's staying away from a certain temptation, whatever it is on a daily basis as we're living out the life that God's called us to, in every single moment, in every single decision, what we've got to come to the realization of is that, God, I can't do it. God, I need you. God, I'm giving you control, and I'm asking your spirit to empower me to live supernaturally. And I think there are so many of us right now that that's what what needs to take place. And I feel like God is saying, look, if you will just do that, you will watch me blow your mind with some of the things that I can accomplish through you. Here's the last thing. And I love this. The Holy Spirit makes us like God. Man, could there be anything better than that? You want to know what relevance the Holy Spirit has to your life every single day? Man, if you don't even understand a lot of those other things. Man, he makes us like God. What is the ultimate goal of humanity? What has God put us on this earth to do? To bring glory and honor to him as the creator. To live every single day making much of him and reflecting who he is. And what's so incredible about what the Holy Spirit does for us is that God is the one that makes that possible. See, what's so cool is that God doesn't just call us to be like God. He produces the characteristics of God in us. 
He doesn't set this lofty goal and say, hey, everybody, be like me. This would be really cool. And then now good luck doing it. God also, because he lives inside of us through the Holy Spirit, he produces those characteristics of God in us. Listen to what Galatians 5.22 says. It says, but the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. Since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. And what Paul is saying here is, if the Holy Spirit lives inside of you, then he's producing the characteristics and the attributes of God himself in you. And you struggle with loving people, and God is producing that in you through the Holy Spirit. Do you struggle with patience? Sign me up for that. And God is producing that in you through the Holy Spirit. Do you struggle with faithfulness? Do you struggle with having joy in every situation? Man, God is producing those things inside of you. God is making us like himself. Here's the main point for us tonight. A life lived by human strength will accomplish ordinary things. But a life lived by the Spirit will accomplish the impossible. Man, may you and I understand, if we're struggling, walking in the room going, man, what's the deal with the Holy Spirit? Why does it matter so much? Man, if we, if we understood that, it would change everything. And this is the good news of the gospel. Not that Jesus has just come to set us free, but that God has come to empower us to live completely different lives. To no longer be like we used to be. And man, if we would understand that and start living that out, it would change everything for us. And in order for us to start doing that, it all comes down to control. Are we willing to stop our self-effort and stop trying harder and stop making empty promises to God about how serious we are this time? Are we willing to give control over to God and say, God, I can't do it, but I'm trusting that you will do it through me? How different would this room look? How different would your school campus, your family, everywhere you go, how different would our community look if we got that and we lived that? That's the power of the Holy Spirit in us. Let's pray. God, I pray tonight, first of all, God, I just thank you that you love us the way that you do. And God, you, you loved us not, not, not only just enough to die for us and to set us free, which is amazing in and of itself, but you also loved us enough that you didn't set us up just to receive forgiveness and then wallow through failure for the rest of our Christian lives. But rather, we can be empowered and live differently because you have given us the Holy Spirit. God, I pray maybe with that question that we asked at the beginning of the night of what difference do you make as through the Holy Spirit in our lives? Maybe for students in the room who walked in feeling like there's no difference, it doesn't really matter, I don't even understand it or really, really know what, to, uh, what I should be answering there. 
God, that you would help them to understand. Not just to understand, but to begin to live out the life that you have for them. God, I pray maybe there are students in the room tonight who have never received the forgiveness that you offer. And maybe they've tried through self-effort to earn salvation. Maybe they've, they've walked through the Christian life feeling like they're trying to do it on, on their own. And the reason why they don't see the Holy Spirit in their life is because you're not in their heart. And God, I pray if there are students in the room who are like that tonight, God, I pray that you would convict them, that you would bring them to a place where they understand that that's the case and that they would put their faith and their trust in you as Savior. And God, may we begin to live out, not to try harder, but to surrender, to give you control, that you would reveal yourself to us. God, that you would show us right from wrong. God, that this promise of heaven, that we would keep our sights set on that, that you would empower us to supernatural living. God, that you would make us like you. God, we need that, we want that tonight. We pray in Jesus' name, amen.